As our culture trains us and our kids to occupy every moment of our day with information, entertainment, work, pleasure, amusement, or excitement, there's still a dying world out there that desperately needs to hear the truth of the gospel. So how are we preparing and preparing our kids to fulfill the Great Commission? We'll talk about that today on License to Parent. Well, hello and welcome to License to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. I'm Rich Rosal, and our host, as always, is Trace Embry, the founder and director of License to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. We're trying to take what we learn on a daily basis inside the gates of Shepherds Hill, the, the tried and tested results of working with kids every day, and export that to you as a parent so that you can be better equipped to raise your kids and not need a residential care facility. And uh, Trace, uh, today we've got a great guest and a great topic, and that is evangelism. Mm -hmm. This is old as the gospel itself, but Mm -hmm. unfortunately in our culture today, this is a culture that puts such a huge premium on self-actualization and Mm -hmm. being upwardly mobile that one is is so overextended and entertained that, that it takes us into the vast expanse of oblivion. We've got to ask, where though does evangelism fit into this modern equation? Yeah, Rich, you know, it really is a matter of priorities, is it not? Uh, Absolutely. I don't think we should be fitting evangelism into anything. It should already be a a secure place in our system as an essential component to our lives. It's, uh, you know, if we're going to fit anything, I think we should fit all the other things in. Uh, Right. And and listen, God knows that I'm as guilty as anyone in this area, Uh, you know, being in ministry 24-7 here at Shepherd's Hill and then... You know, there's the radio program here, Licensed to Parent, or the writing and the speaking. It's easy, even as ministers, to squelch God's voice in our own lives and, and uh, doing it all with the very tools that he's given us to, um, to help build life into other people. Uh, I don't know about you, Rich, but after ministering uh, you know, a full day, if I go out to get a grocery, to the grocery store and get a loaf of bread, and too often that bread becomes uh, the thing I'm interested in. Uh, but um, I think there's a balance here. Well, I think there is too. And our guest today is someone who just probably more than anyone I've seen lately is great at challenging people on where their priorities lie and on introducing the concept of, of as you said, making evangelism, making Christ the center, and everything else fitting around that. Today's guest is Ray Comfort. Ray is the best-selling author of more than 70 books, including The Evidence Bible, uh, which came out in, I think, 2002. He's also the co-host of an award-winning television program called The Way of the Master, which uh, he co-hosts with actor Kirk Cameron. Ray also has a daily blog that reaches uh, many, many atheists at what he refers to as Atheist Central. You'll find that at raycomfort.blogspot.com. He uh, has an atheist test booklet, which I find an interesting concept that sold more than a million copies. Uh, Ray and his wife, Sue, live in Southern California. They've got three grown children, which I think qualifies them for a guest appearance on Licensed to Parent. (laughs) Ray, welcome back to the Licensed to Parent broadcast, brother. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, Ray, you're known to have a tremendous heart and gift for evangelism. How can we nurture that attribute in our kids? do a better job at that? Well, firstly, I don't think it's a gift. I think evangelism is just love and action. I think I'm a normal, biblical Christian. <laughs> uh, I've got a deep concern for the lost. The day doesn't go by when I don't think about the reality of hell. And the fact that this year, in the next 12 months, 54 million people will pass into eternity. Mm-hmm. 54 million people, like you and I, making plans for next week, will die. 
That horrifies me to yeah. think that hell exists, to even think of people dying without the Savior, without faith, dying in terror, mm-hmm. not knowing. I mean, it, it, it'd be better to leap out of a plane 10,000 feet without a parachute into the dark than to die in your sins. So uh, I have a tremendous burden for the lost, but I think it's, it's uh, a normal biblical thing for a Christian to love their neighbors themselves. Yeah. Let me ask you something, Ray. There are a lot of people who would say that hell is the very thing that's driving me away from Jesus Christ, uh, that, that God couldn't uh, possibly do that to human beings. Maybe our kids are asking us those type of questions. How do you respond to that? Well, the question is, if God is good, how could he make a place called hell? Well, all you've got to do is think about it. Maybe a judge in Florida who turns a blind eye to the murderings of the mafia, their rape and killing. Uh, if that judge turns a blind eye, he should be brought to justice himself. He's a corrupt judge. He's not good. He's evil. Mm-hmm. If a judge is good, he must see that justice is done. So the Bible says God is good, and he's going to see that justice is done. Men like right. Hitler that slaughtered millions of men, women, and children will face justice on that day. And that's wonderful news. I mean, justice is a great thing. See, yeah. justice done makes us all rejoice. And so if God is good, he must punish mass murderers. Oh, and rapists and thieves and liars and fornicators and blasphemers and adulterers and homosexuals. Mm-hmm. The Bible says sin will be punished wherever it's found because God is good. And when you think of a man slaughtering, a, 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 cutting the throat of a woman he's just raped, uh, something in us cries out, oh, God, he, he should be punished for such a, a terrible deed. Did yeah. you know in the 1990s there were 200,000 murders? 200,000 murders in one 10-year mm. period. Mm. According to the FBI statistics, there's only 50% success in homicide rates. That means 100,000 people were murdered, their throats cut, shot through the head, strangled, stabbed to death. Maybe their bodies cut up, put down the drain, acid down the drain, no body, no conviction. Those people got away with murder. Well, if God is good, mm-hmm. he must see to it that those people are punished. Yeah. And hell is God's prison and there's no parole. So when you think of the goodness of God and what man has done to his fellow man, you've got to say, how can there not be a place called hell if God is good? So it comes back to idolatry. If we have a wrong concept of God's nature and character, he's kind of like a celestial Santa Claus or a divine butler, then we won't care about him caring about justice. But when we see the biblical revelation of God, that he's righteous and holy and just, and he's the habitation of justice, that's his throne as as the habitation of justice, then there's going to be a judgment day. Righteousness will be done. Equity will come. And uh, that's why we need the Savior, because all of us are in big trouble, because we've all sinned against God. Absolutely. A lot of young people coming in to Shepherd's Hill Academy who have... uh, Unlimited access to the internet, which gives them a, you know, a million different worldviews and, and, and takes on things. And I think they would use that very term, justice, and say that how can a temporal sin uh, deserve a, an eternal punishment? And they would say that there is a hell and that, we, and, and that the bad guys or the people who haven't accepted Christ will receive uh, hell, but that in the end, even hell will be swallowed up by um, a merciful God who had it all figured out from the beginning. Where does that theology uh, uh, fit in when it comes to Scripture, Genesis to Revelation? Well, the Bible say, says that God will withdraw time, and it's a dimension, a dimension I haven't got a clue about. I mean, how can it be a timeless dimension? Um, I can't even figure out how my iPad works. I, in, the, in the morning, I lie in bed and I watch the news from 7,000 miles away, my home country in New Zealand, at the speed of light, up-to-date news readers. There's no, there's no cables, there's no wires, it's just there in full living color. 
and I can stop it and start it when I want. I can't figure out how it works. It, it's magic. Yeah, and so yeah. it's magic. If I can't figure out something like an iPad, how can I work out the, the judgments of Almighty God, who has known mm-hmm. the mind of the Lord, the Bible says. None of us right. have got yeah. a clue how. How do you make an eye? 137 million light-sensitive cells, the focusing yeah. muscles, move an estimated 100,000 times a day. And God's made all these different eyes in human beings, plus elephant eyes, giraffe eyes, horse eyes, cat's eyes, all sorts of different eyes. And, and they all work in, in with the brain and upside down and the brain and lights coming from the sun 93 million miles away and not bending even slightly. Just strange and um, um, fearfully, wonderfully made, we're made. So there's going to be a dimension where God says the wicked will be damned. That means there'll be no time, uh, no time uh, it'll just be gone, it'll be eternity. It's a dimension none of us can understand, and I certainly don't want anyone damned. I don't understand it, but I, know, I do understand that God provided a Savior. He's rich in mercy, and the Bible says, Behold the goodness and the severity of God. And so if you want, it, uh, you want God's goodness, make sure you repent and trust in the Savior. If you want his severity, stay in your sins and say, I can't figure this out. Uh, say, I don't understand how. D-U-H. Duh. No, don't, don't, don't be a duh. Don't understand how. It's no excuse to stay in your mm-hmm. sins. Make sure you're right with God. And the questions that you've got will still be big, but they won't be like a, a mountain. They'll be more like a molehill. And you'll say, yo, God's got everything in control. Whatever he decides is fine by me because I can't even work out, work out how this life works. <laughs> I'm curious about this. What, what you have just done, you've just laid out the, the importance of God, the validity of God, and, and the, the marvels of God right there just rolls right off the tongue. I can tell you, as, as much as I like to talk, I don't think I could do what you just did nearly as well as you just did it, which brings up the question about types of evangelism. I know uh, we all agree that evangelism is so important, but it, are there multiple ways to go about doing this and all of them count, so to speak? Or, or do we all need to be more focused on really being able to lay it out in the way you just did? Well, it's the accent. It just makes me sound intelligent. <laughs> I listen to English people talk and go, whoa, that's neat because I live in America and I'm used to the American accent, which is wonderful. But, you know, it's, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's like watching a, a guy win a marathon. What is it, 26 miles? He busts the yeah. tape. You go running up to him and say, whoa, you sure are gifted. He probably turn to you and say, what are you talking about? I have trained for this day. I've run 30 right. miles a week for six months. I have fasted certain foods. I drink a certain amount of water. I've, I've got, look at these muscles. I've been lifting weights every day to get these muscles like this. And you say, I'm gifted? What are you talking about? And the Bible says, study to show yourself approved, a workman that needs not be ashamed. If we're ashamed and don't know how to answer people's questions, it's probably because we've never taken the time to study it, to mm. build the muscle. Uh, and if we care, we will. And that's why we produce the evidence Bible. It's packed full of stuff we're talking about uh, so that people can be equipped and know how to give an answer for the faith that's within them. And I know... Some things I say, I sound intelligent, but I've started off stumbling in my little marathon. You know, I didn't do the 26 miles. You're listening to the, to the, the 26 miler at the moment, and it's because I've preached open air in universities and in different places around the country and around the world for over five or 6,000 times, and it's made me sound proficient, but it's come back to the fact that I have right. studied it and gone over and over these thoughts. Uh, I, 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 as you can hear now, I, I often stumble in my words, um, but that can sound like to someone who's listening to you, boy, that guy's sincere, he really means it. So it's the tone that matters and not really the word that's spoken. Mm-hmm. Take this back, though, to, let's say, some of the first times when you were trying to share your faith and really go deep with, with people. 
How did that feel to you at that time? And, and what did you have to overcome in those first few experiences? I ask this because sometimes it's taking that first step that keeps people from ever going down this path. Is It, it just terrifies them. What, what was that like for you and how did you get over it? Well, first of all, I'd just say that uh, I don't fear failure. Um, what I fear is uh, perfectionism, which fears failure. Uh, if you fear failure and you don't do anything, you are a failure. But I've got bruises all over my knees from, when I, from doing evangelism. It's like when I learned to walk. Uh, each of us, before we learned to walk, we crawled and then we stood up and, mm. and, and we actually learned to walk. So, yeah, there were bruisings earlier on as, as a new Christian, but it's very important to understand this, this, this uh, essential fact, and that is evangelism is not apologetical argument biblically. You don't really find that too much in the scripture. I believe in apologetics, arguing for the existence of God, etc. That's why I reduced the evidence Bible. But when I meet an atheist, I know that he knows that God exists. Hmm. Romans 1 verse 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even an eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. See, I, when I meet an atheist, this is what I say to him. So you're an atheist? He says, yep. So you believe the scientific impossibility that nothing created everything? And they go, well, <laughs> no, not, not nothing. So I say, you believe something created everything, it just wasn't God. Yeah, that's it. So I say, you're not an atheist, Dad. you're agnostic. You know there was a creative force yeah. of some sort. Uh, you just don't know what it was. Yeah. Let's see if we can find out why you don't want it to be God. And then I go from his intellect to his conscience. Mm. And the reason I do that is because the intellect is the place of argument. Uh, Romans 8 verse 7 says, The carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. In other words, the natural intellect of every unregenerate human being is in a place of hostility towards God. But Romans 8 verse 7 tells us where the hostility is directed. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. The carnal mind doesn't like the moral law, the Ten Commandments. God isn't going to tell me what to do morally. That's the attitude. Right. So you've got to move away from the carnal mind, circumnavigate it, and speak directly to the conscience. The word conscience means with knowledge. Con is with, science is knowledge. Mm -hmm. So when I say to someone, yeah, so, so you, you, in your heart, you know God exists. Let's just change up a little. How many lies do you think you've told in your whole life? You know, are you a good person or what? He says, yeah, I'm a really good person. So we go through the commandments. What am I doing? speaking directly to his conscience, the work of the law written on the heart, doing what Paul did in Romans chapter 2. You who say you shall not steal, do you steal? You say you shall not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? They're violating God's law, and the conscience is an impartial judge on the courtroom of the mind. It just speaks up, and it's on your side. It's a, a counsel for the defense. It'll say, this person's guilty, and, uh, and that's the way you witness biblically. So it's like when you fish. You put bait on to attract the fish, but the thing that catches the fish isn't the bait, it's the hook. And apologetics are kind of like bait. It gets people coming around to talk, and then you pull the hook in and do what Jesus did in Mark 10, verse 17, and take them through the commandments to show them they've sinned against God, they're heading for hell, and they need a Savior. Yeah. You're listening to Licensed to Parent. Our special guest is Ray Comfort. You can find out more about Ray and his ministry at livingwaters.com. We'll be back with more conversation right after this. In the training of our children, 
What role should public school play? Documentarian Colin Gunn takes a panoramic exploration of this issue by hopping in a school bus for a field trip all over America in the DVD Indoctrination. Colin conducts a series of candid interviews and discovers how God's recipe for training the next generation is being replaced with a humanistic, man-centered program that fragments the family and undermines the influence of the church and the Great Commission. Christian teachers and principals share how they're attempting to walk the tightrope between teaching what they do not believe and being restricted from their God-given call to be salt and light. Indoctrination, Public Schools and the Decline of Christianity in America. Available in the Licensed to Parent store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds support the Shepherds Hill Academy Student Scholarship Fund. Teen Rebellion, Depression, Addiction, Rage, Cutting, and Suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherds Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherds Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherds Hill Ministries and licensed to parent to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherds Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. Welcome back. Again, this is Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. You'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. And today's guest on Licensed to Parent is Ray Comfort. Uh, Ray has been involved in uh, writing, in discipling, in producing television and film uh, projects. Uh, you may well know him because of uh, The Way of the Master, which uh, he co-hosts with actor Kirk Cameron. He's also uh, written the book The Evidence Bible that we've been talking about a bit today. Trace? Hey, Ray. I drive race cars. I've driven cars pretty much all my life. And, and on our car, we have truth. And we have justice for the unborn where Budweiser should go in most race cars. And that's my way of kind of evangelizing. I don't make a circus out of it. I just go there and race. And the car kind of brings questions. But... How do we expect our kids, uh, or how young of an age can we expect our kids to do something similar, whether it's, uh, you know, something on a T-shirt they wear? or I mean, is, is that necessary? How can we equip our kids uh, for, for evangelism? Well, I, I never wanted to force my kids into evangelism. I didn't want them to become Pharisees. I want them to follow my example. Mm -hmm. And so that's the best thing you can do. There's nothing that sure. turns someone into a God-hater uh, as uh, hypocrisy within the home. Amen. You know, uh, my father was a pastor and he was a hypocrite, you know, yeah, mm -hmm. that's it's just terrible. And yeah. so make sure there's no hypocrisy in our lives. You know, don't argue in front of your children. Make sure you pray with them about everything. Have daily devotions. I wrote another book called uh, How to Bring Your Children to Christ and Keep Them There. And uh, the key is to teach them the Ten Commandments, to teach them the fear of the Lord, uh, to put the law between the front of their eyes on the doorposts of the home. When you walk with them, when you talk with them, when you lie down, you bring the knowledge of sin by exposing them to the spiritual nature of those Ten Commandments. So, 
as they grow older and the teenage years hit, uh, they get the experience the Apostle Paul had. He said, lust began to rise within my members, and the commandment, which says you shall not lust, I thought was ordained to life, and it was ordained to death for me. Mm. It brought death to me. It condemned me. Mm. And what the law did, the commandments, uh, they were a schoolmaster to, to, to lead Paul to Christ, to show him that he needed a Savior. So uh, when, if you want your children to do what you want to do, uh, lead by uh, a pure example sure. and have daily devotions, teach them the fear of the Lord, pray with them about everything. And, and uh, I was told my kids, our kids would uh, go through rebellious teenage years. It never happened. Uh, two of my boys work for the ministry, and my daughter is married to my uh, the president of our ministry, and uh, they love the Lord and uh, share their faith. So that's very heartwarming because God means what He says yeah. about training a child up in the way he should go. Yeah, that rebellion thing's a myth. I I agree with you. That doesn't have to happen. Right, Ray. iPhones, iPads, iPods, and the like have made uh, not just our kids but us virtual eye slaves. And so, you know, after we've uh, pulled away from our own digital addictions, uh, how can we best teach our kids to use technology as an evangelistic tool to their friends and, and to the world at large? Boy, I know our, our uh, YouTube channel has had over 32 million views. Whoa, that's awesome. It's just blown us away that, that there's such potential. Uh, on social media to reach the lost. You I can agree. text unsafe people, you can email them, you can blog them. I've got a Facebook page that's got nearly half a million followers. Wow. Uh, 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 Twitter, 44,000. This is beyond me. I mean, half a million people every day get to be trained up. So uh, the digital media is just a, a wonderful thing. And, and I, I've read more of scripture because of my iPod. I've got a, a Velcro on the back of it and I plastered to one of those long neck. Uh, lamps by my bed lamp and I just scroll through scripture and I read so much more scriptures I lie in bed, don't have to get my hands out of the covers it scrolls <laughs> through with a little backlight and so I soak my soul in scripture because of the uh, iPod far more than I did with the physical Bible mm-hmm. so um, this technology we've got is just so exciting and such great potential to reach the lost and equip our children. Yeah, unfortunately, too often we've used it as weapons as opposed to tools. But uh... Yeah, um, we're living in a day and age uh, where people have instant access to sin. When I was a teenager yeah. and I wanted to see a lusty picture, I remember sending a friend in to buy a black and white newspaper because on the back was a lusty picture. That was about as far as I could go. Nowadays, I, I like the think. fact that you sent a friend in to buy it. Is, uh, try try oh, to yes, keep yourself just... one one step away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nowadays you have instant, any kid can have yeah. instant access to hardcore pornography. That's crazy. And so the darker a nation gets, the more it's going to hate the light. And right. so we have a generation that runs after people like Richard Dawkins. They're a Pied Piper yep. that play a tune this generation loves to hear. Atheism gives license to sin temporarily. Mm-hmm. And so it, this is a hill for them to die on. That's why they, so many hate Christianity nowadays, because we're a huge wet blanket. We're a threat mm-hmm. to this world. We're saying pornography's wrong, adultery's wrong, fornication's wrong, blasphemy's wrong, yeah. homosexuality is wrong, lust is wrong. And they're the things that give this world pleasure. Yeah, and exactly we're saying right. it's wrong because God says it's wrong, and there's going to be a judgment day, but he's rich in mercy and he's provided a savior. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think the church has to step up to the plate and go back to see how it's done biblically because it hasn't been working in the past. And, and the reason is we've forsaken the blueprint. Yeah. You know, it's also interesting, too. I say to an atheist, do, do you think I can prove God to you in 60 seconds? I say, absolutely not. I say, well, you're open. They say, yeah, well, let's give it a go. I just wanted to be reasonable and logical with me, so let's go. 
I see the building over there? And he says, yeah. So how do you know there was a builder? You can't see him or, or touch him or taste him or smell him. How do you know there was a builder? He says, well, the building's there. Buildings don't build themselves. Mm-hmm. So let's follow this logic. See the painting over there? He says, yeah. How do you know there was a painter? You can't see him. Right. He says, well, paintings don't paint themselves. Obviously, the painting is proof exactly. of the painter. I said, well, carry the logic. Creation. Creator. It's as simple as that. Yeah, exactly. And uh, if they say, well, creation created itself or nature made itself, you just have to say, well, that's scientifically impossible. Yeah. For nature to make itself, it had to be pre-existent to make itself before it made itself, which is intellectually <laughs> ludicrous. Yep. And so that's when you move. And the reason they embrace such stupidity, which is what atheism is, it's, the Bible calls it foolishness, yeah. is because it gives them license to sin. They're not interested in truth. They're just interested in covering their sins. And that's what atheism does for them no matter what. So it's really a moral problem more than an intellectual problem or a historical problem or a psychological problem. It's a moral problem. Let me ask you something. Can evangelism be botched? Are, are there people who, who would do a better job of evangelizing by keeping their mouths shut? Let's play St. Yeah, Francis. Definitely. Yeah, uh, uh, Spurgeon actually said that. He said, uh, Charles Spurgeon said, uh, if you've got hypocrisy in your life, if your life doesn't match, your words don't match your life as a Christian, he said, and you want to preach the gospel, uh, go somewhere distant from your home, get up on a box and don't open your mouth. But <laughs> <laughs> well, St. Francis said, preach the gospel, always use words if necessary. Well, but I, th- I think those are two different responses to this, because obviously if there is hypocrisy in your life, you're preaching one thing and doing something different, that's not going to bear fruit. I think what St. Right. Francis was saying was what you were saying a moment ago, Ray, and that is lead by example. Sure. Use words to steer if you have to, but lead by example. Yeah, but I'm afraid there's a little bit of hypocrisy in all of us at one time or another, and I don't know that we can yeah. we can be expected to live pristine lives each and every minute of every day of every year of our lives, and uh, the enemy's going to jump on that. Yeah, you know, the quality is in the seed and not in the sower. Yeah. You know, a, a skilled farmer can put his hand in the sack and throw the seed on the soil, and it brings forth great fruit. Sure. And an imbecile, an idiot, uh, could just put his little hand and pick and just toss it silly, and it's still going to bring forth fruit. So the quality's in the gospel. And, and so uh, uh, we don't need to worry about our weaknesses, the fact that we, we're on our face before the Lord because we've got sinful hearts. We just confess our sins, and we're pure in a second, and we can preach the gospel. And it's the gospel Amen. that's the power of God to salvation. So yeah. that's my Amen. consolation as Amen. a Christian. Amen. Uh, what do you say to the parent whose child has gone down to the altar 72 times in the last five years to receive Jesus and then still shows no fruit? What counsel do you have for a parent like that? Yeah, I would say listen to a teaching called Hell's Best Kept Secret, and it's on livingwaters.com. It's free. One pastor listened to it 250 times. <laughs> uh, Ten years ago, Kirk Cameron listened to it twice and then called our ministry, I mean the poster boy for Christianity, and asked if we could combine ministries after hearing that teaching. Mm. It is revolutionary. I discovered it by the grace of God back in 1982. It actually transformed my life, and it's the basis of our whole ministry. So mm. it's free, and it will help you understand what's going on. Uh, when it comes to what you talked about and how to share the gospel biblically. It's called Hell's Best Cap Secret, and it's on livingwaters.com, and it's on it's free. Awesome. Wow. We've been talking today with Ray Comfort, best-selling author and co-host of the award-winning television program, The Way of the Master, now entering its fifth season. Uh, he co-hosts that with uh, actor Kirk Cameron. We just mentioned Kirk. You can learn more about Ray, about Hell's Best Kept Secret, and all the work that Ray is doing at his website, livingwaters.com. Ray, thank you so much for blessing us with your time today on Licensed to Parent. Amen. I've been honored. Thank you so much. God bless you. 
And you can learn more about License to Parent and our outreach to troubled teens and their families at our website, LicensedToParent.org. As we've said in past programs, running a full-time residential program for teens can be very costly, and it's our desire to be able to help families regardless of their ability to pay, but we need your help in order to do that. Your one-time gift or perhaps a monthly tax-deductible contribution to Licensed to Parent will help fund the Shepherds Hill Scholarship Fund, which enables more families to benefit from this outreach. You can learn more and you can give today when you visit LicensedToParent.org. Along with Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosal, hoping you'll join us again next time and once again renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, someone else will. God bless you. See you next time.